Hello and welcome to Sat from Soapbox, the podcast where people from all sectors of education stand on their soapbox and share what they are passionate about and why we should care about it too. And it's wonderful to welcome my guest this week, Mike Glavin, who's a catalyst for school improvement and change, a previous head teacher of several schools, and then she likes to keep koi carp. That's true. It is true. Very different. And, and how many koi carp have you got? Oh, around about a dozen. Any reason koi carp and not goldfish? Uh, perhaps a bit more exotic. The firm says, very interesting. They are beautiful fish. So it's uh, interesting. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Mike. Uh, and this is actually the first one I've recorded in person. So you are the first one who is uh, recording in person, not online. So it is great. So tell us, Mike, what are you going to be getting on your soapbox about today? I'm going to be getting on my soapbox about people using the word my when they should be using the word our. And it's, it's interesting. A couple of weeks ago, we had a podcast with Oliver Wright, who gave us exactly the opposite um, but for very different reasons. So tell us, Mike, about your sort of experience teaching in schools and being ahead. Where, how did your career go? Okay, well, I started uh, back in 1988 teaching in a Catholic school in Roth, St. Peter's Roman Catholic Primary School. Um, but my first headship was also in a Catholic school. That was St. Caddick's Roman Catholic Primary School, which situated in Llanrymley in Cardiff. Uh, that was the first of three headships. My second headship was the amalgamation um, in Teesign, Teesign Primary it became. Um, and then my third and final headship was in uh, Bruce Daviv um, in Oakdale, another large three-form uh, primary school. I then went on to work um, as assistant director in a local authority and then assistant director and managing director at the largest consortium in Wales. Oh, and I, well, I know Rooster really well. So yeah. uh, I think, yeah, after, after you'd left, um, I used to go there quite a lot and there's a lovely school. But uh, yeah, very large, very large primary school. It was a lovely time there. So yeah, um, we're also going to talk about uh, us and we. So this is, why do you think this is so important? Uh, and why should people care about this language that we're using? I think it's important not to get too pedantic over language. However, I think the language is often an indication of a deeper problem. And that deeper problem is one of ego. You see, for me, people talk about my classroom, a teacher will talk about my classroom, but of course it isn't their classroom. They don't own it. Um, it's the room that's allocated to them. It's the space in which they are expected to deliver a stimulating, engaging environment in which children flourish. And I don't like the idea that children are around the periphery in some way, dancing to the mood music set by the teacher and being surrounded by the teacher's belongings rather than the children's. I think very much it should be a place that the children are involved in designing. I feel that it should reflect their work, their interests, their personalities, rather than it be an extension of the teacher's personality. I've seen this over the years. Uh, you know, in my previous school, we changed the way we did the learning environment a lot because, you know, I remember going in the summer holidays and spending a week decorating the classroom, doing all the displays, uh, the kids didn't bat an eyelid when they walked in. So actually, who who was I doing that for? Yeah, and I think there's this bit, isn't it, that all that backing paper is beautifully marked and it's almost like, a, oh gosh, it's in a pity we've got to let the children come in. They might ruin our work. Um, <laughs> when, of course, it's their room and how it's set out and how their work is valued and displayed in a way that is used effectively and purposefully um, is key. And I, I, I do remember back in the day when I first started teaching, you had to you had to triple mount everything. 
Yes. Uh, every label had to be a certain font. Yeah. Unless you printed out, everything had to be laid out in a certain way. You had to have this was 3D and you had to have double bordering. And the hours and hours that I spent doing displays was incredible. So, yeah, for me, that Triple Mountain was very much a part of my, my career. Um, and it was, I loved the fact when we were able to use spray adhesive rather than the uh, PVA and a glue stick. And I, you know, I, a very good indicator. My favourite bit of the year with the um, the learning environment was ripping it all down at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of my favourite things to <laughs> grab onto the top of the display and just tear it down. And actually, if that was a refunctional display, I shouldn't have to tear it down at the end of every year. It should be something that grows and evolves with the learning of the pupils. Um, and I do find it interesting, you know, when I go around schools and see everything is printed off the internet. Everything. Where, where are the children in this room? You know, this this could be any any classroom you know but it's not bespoke to them and, and i think it's about moving. how does the ch how do the children use that room mm. how how do they feel that it's a place where they can be their very best and flourish um and if that is their work up on display and it's valued then they're going to feel better about being in that room i think one of the indicators for me and it's not all about the teacher's desk but one of the indicators for me is the position in the room of the teacher's desk I think if you walk in and there's a desk front central facing the children, that tells me something very clear about the ego in that room and the sort of control that the teacher thinks they're going to have by putting their desk in that position. Mm, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? And, and I've thought about it years. I, I actually don't like having a desk because I find it becomes a dumping ground. Because actually, I spend very little time at the desk. Absolutely. You know, you know, because you should be in with the children, seeing what they're doing and... and Actually, if you're sat at your desk while they're learning, what was your role in the classroom? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's about interaction, isn't it? It's about relationships with children and interactions with them. And actually, I never, ever had a teacher's desk in my room. Um, as I say, I don't want to get too pedantic about that. I'm sure there are some very good teachers who do have teacher's desks. But it just makes me raise that eyebrow. It just makes me think, well, hang on a minute. Whose room is this? Mm. So obviously we've got the, the teacher's desk. Um, where do you think that's come from? Why, why do you think that... Uh, that teachers hurt some teachers shouldn't tarnish everyone but why has this developed where it's our it's, it's their classroom rather than the children's classroom well i think part of it is historic isn't it i mean if you ask children back in the day to draw a classroom they would always have put a teacher's desk at the front of it wouldn't they because that that was how they usually with a board uh, a chalkboard behind them blackboards as they were called um Nowadays, I'd like to think people have moved away from that. But for me, the acid test is you think how much has changed in the world in the last 30 years. People need to reflect on how much their learning environment for children has changed during that time. And if it's exactly the same as it was then, well, I think people need to have a think. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and what impact do you think this has on the learning of the children? Because that's the most important thing here, isn't it? When we're talking about all these things, actually, what impact does this sort of attitude have on the children? Well, again, I think they might feel that they are in somebody else's room rather than in their room. Um, I think it is inducive or indicative rather. I think it's indicative um, of a relationship that is one of control, um, one about you fit into my routines and my classroom, as opposed to how are we going to develop our learning environment together. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've found this over the years where people will say things like, oh, but this worked with my class last year as if every class are carbon copies of each other. And we know they're not, you know, they're, 
and particularly I find sometimes when you get a class off someone else and they say, oh, well, this worked for me then, but the teacher isn't the same either. You know, the children aren't the same and children evolve and change over time. And I think if we try to put two generic strategies in place all the time, actually, we're not acknowledging that they are all individuals and, and change over time. Absolutely. And I think that to be fair to people, I know what it's like to be a teacher. And if you spend every waking hour thinking about your classroom, thinking about your children, thinking about how you can get the best for them, I do understand that occasionally you are going to refer to it as my room because you put your heart <laughs> and soul into it. And um, I don't want to be too unfair, but I just think that, that use of the word my just needs to be checked. And it's not about ego, it's about our classroom and how can we make this the right learning environment for the children that are with me at this moment in time. Not last year's class, but the children that are here, what are their needs? Even down to furniture, there may be some children that need furniture at a particular height or mm. some children are not good at sitting still. Other children like to go off and explore, other children need to be developed um, concentration and might need a, a, an area whereby there's less distraction. It's about making the learning environment right for the children and for the purpose of the lesson. So a classroom setup for a drama session will look very different from a classroom setup for independent writing or collaborative writing. Um, all of these purposes, all of these um, lessons are there for a different purpose and the room needs to be adapted to fit that purpose. So if uh, someone wanted to, you know, have a look at their own classroom um, and sort of reflect on it or a senior leader, for example, is doing a learning walk, something like, what do you think are the sort of key things that people could look out for if they want to sort of consider whether it is their classroom or our classroom? Well, apart from the teacher's desk, which I think yeah. I've already covered, <laughs> um, I think I would be asking where are the resources and are those resource, resources accessible to the learners? In other words, do the learners have to wait until the teacher hands them the resources or do they feel independently they can go and get the resources they need? Um, obviously, I would be looking for adaptations for additional needs. Um, the phrase everybody using now is universal provision. So what is the universal provision in that room that removes barriers to learning for individual pupils? Um, I think also you need to be aware increasingly of those children that have had adverse child experiences. Well, how does the room allow them to regulate themselves? How does the room allow them to find an appropriate space where they can calm down and reflect on their behaviours? Um, and I think also that there needs to be an understanding that different children learn in different ways. So I'd expect to see in that learning environment a variety of different stimuli, a variety of different um, opportunities for children to engage with their learning. Lovely. And... I know that you have published on your website a, a blog post of uh, my oh my who's learning environment and um, on there you've got a list which is uh, things you've covered there but a more expansive list if people wanted to have a look um, at their own learning environment. Yeah absolutely it's there it's free I know other schools have used it um, it's not um, it's not the be all and end all I'm sure other people will be able to add their own things but I doubt very much that I'll be adding a teacher's desk to that list. <laughs> Uh, shares in a teacher's desk company is going to plummet after this, no doubt. Um, but obviously you've got that list and, and in education, we love a list in education, don't we? Mm, they can be dangerous though. That's it. And what do you think is the danger? Obviously someone takes this list. What, what do you think are the risks associated with that? Are So I think it's important to say that it's a list to prompt discussion. It's a list to lead people to reflect. 
What it's not is a list that you must have this in your classroom or else. Um, it is there as a guide um, and I would love people to interact with it. I'd like people to um, say what things I've missed. Um, I'm getting older now. I may have forgotten something. <laughs> so I welcome people to, it's a challenge. What have I missed? What should be on that list that's not? Um, friends recently um, contacted me and said, Mike, your blog should include that the children themselves are involved in the design. So you mentioned mm. earlier, Ian, about the hours you spent in the classroom getting it ready for the children to come and fit yeah. into, as opposed to them on the first day saying, right, this is our classroom. We're going to spend a lot of time here over the, in the next year. How should we make it look? What do we need to have in here? Uh, and I you know in my previous school, we changed all of the lettering and the displays and everything was made by the pupils. It was such a shift, you know, away from printed out letters, which teachers or TAs would spend hours cutting out. Mm. Actually, the children love it, don't they? They love being part of creating their brand. It looks very, very different. It does. You know, but actually it looks like a child's classroom rather than an, a, you know, in inverted commas, Instagram worthy classroom where you do wonder if a child has ever gone near those resources. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's been absolutely wonderful, and, and I'm sure that people will go to your blog to have a look uh, at that checklist. So uh, before we finish, is there a last thought you'd like to leave everyone with today? Yeah, I think it's, I've been ahead of three schools, and I hope that during my time there, I never said my school. I hope that I always said our school, realising that it didn't belong to me. I drive past those schools now, and do you know what? They're all fine. They're all flourishing. So my ego it needs to realise that actually I was part of it for its journey at that time, but it was never my school. Mm. So, well, thank you so much, Mike. It's been uh, really interesting talking to you about that and uh, a lot to take away and a lot to think about about our own classrooms and learning environments. And thank you everyone for listening to Staff and Soapbox. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Uh, this helps us to grow the show. Until next time, deal from Bauer and thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Cheers.